Welcome back, Coyote Nation. We have three dudes here assembled tonight, but uh, unfortunately Jake is out on assignment. We have him uh, prepping for a future football episode. So tonight we have Jordan, myself, and one special guest who we're going to get to here in a minute. But first, before we do that, Jordan, give us our weekly update. Thanks, Mitch. All right, Coyote Nation, here's what's happened the last time since uh, we were on air. Swim and Dive had a duel against Nebraska-Omaha. Men lost a close one, 121-119, and women lost 139-104. to Again, that was against Nebraska-Omaha. Women's Tennis had a nice outing in Sioux Falls last Friday against the University of Sioux Falls as they won a duel 7 to nothing. Uh, women's Basketball had... Two huge wins to get back on the right track against Denver, 78-70, and then against Kansas City uh, using free throws there to win 72-62. Men's basketball, one of the best basketball games you'll ever watch, uh, unfortunately came up on the losing end of that one out in Denver last Thursday. Double overtime loss, 110-111, to and then a loss against Kansas City on the road, uh, 57-81. to We're going to dive into those games here in a second. Uh, lastly, guys, we had track and field had the uh, ever-popular, ever-fun alumni meet this weekend. Highlight of Friday was obviously, if you did not hear, Chris Nelson uh, vaulted 19 feet, 8.5 inches. That's 6.01 meters uh, for the rest of the world outside of the United States. Um, and that is a world-leading pole vault. So he is number one in the world heading into Paris, heading into the Olympics right now. Uh, in case you forgot, he's silvered. Medal, silver medaled in Tokyo. Uh, Fourth-year sophomore McKenna Herman swept the distance races, winning the 3,000 meter. That was all on Friday. Saturday, just some highlights. Juniors, Cassidy, uh, Moneyham, Moneyham, Marlene, Myla, both cleared 4.32 in the women's pole vault. That is uh, good for 12th nationally. Uh, I, I probably butchered Cassidy's last name. It's Moonyhan, I think. Um but anyways, Danny Anglin, a uh, woman's high jump, 5'10", three-quarters inches. That is top in the Summit League in 26 nationally. So we're not only pole vault you, we're high jump you right now. Um, let's see, really quick, guys. Freshman Carson Stair moved to the top of the Summit charts. Men's triple jump with 48-foot, four-inch, three-and-a-quarter jump. Uh, that's a top 10 mark in USD history. That is uh, eighth in USD history. So... Alumni meet saw a lot of uh, really good outings, especially with the junior class. Just wrapping up here for track and field, I think that's about it. Senior Meredith Clark posted uh, winning the women's shot put with a throw of 51 feet, three inches. So that's the weekly recap. Unbelievable with Chris. I mean, I you know I we were talking about this earlier, but I didn't really know he was going to be in that meet, and then to see that he was there and then broke the world record, kind of just blew my mind to know that that was just up the road from me in Vermillion. Yeah, he's it's going to be. I don't I don't know quite exactly what the schedule for him looks like approaching August, but we'll definitely keep an eye on it. Um, obviously, and let you guys know we'll be retweeting stuff as well. We give Chris a follow. I uh, would love to have him on before. Paris, obviously, but we understand that he is going to start getting extremely busy. One thing I thought was cool is, gosh, was it? It was one of the media members in Yankton, I think James Simburic. Is that how you pronounce it with Yankton paper? I don't know. But he posted a picture of Chris on Saturday helping at the track meet, like just 
caught on when he's helping, you know, raise the bar up, clean up and stuff. And you just go, that that's Chris. He's you know, that's, yeah. That's the world leading pole vault on a Friday and is there to help support the team and uh, a great coyote, a great person. And um, it's going to be exciting to watch the next few months, no doubt. Awesome. Shout out, Chris. You're the man. All right, we're going to move quickly forward here. We got a big show talking about basketball. But before we do that, we have a special guest tonight, and he is number one super fan, Mark Went. Mark, how are you? Thanks for having me, guys. How are you guys? Doing all right, Mark. Good to have you on, man. Good first and foremost, <laughs> second best, second best. So before we go any further, let's get uh, get the formalities out of here. You can follow him at WDiamond605 on Twitter X. He, we, we talked about him last week, gave him a shout out, and here he is in the flesh on the show. Again, he puts out a ton of good tweets, a ton of good uh, yoke content, videos and the like. So he's also known for a couple memes out there that you've probably seen. And if you haven't, what are you doing? Give him a follow. Go check it out. Um, and he is our first guest on the show. So officially an uncle of the show as we start to build our family tree here on uh, Back the Pack. And uh, we're, we're, we're glad to have him. So first question, right off the bat, we talked about this last week, uh, last week's episode. What is the status of the eye chart? So there's, I got a new eye chart. We used it uh, this past weekend. Um, the original eye chart, when it was negative 30 degrees and I went to the back seat to, to grab it, it split in half, so... It, oh no! It had a... off to a deep. Can we talk to someone, Mark, about you autographing that and then auctioning it off at Calling All Coyotes? I'm willing to do that 100. percent Yeah, both. <laughs> let's let, let's do it. That's a great idea. Both pieces. Both pieces. <laughs> if anyone from USD listens to this, um, hit us up. We'll make it happen. That's... That is phenomenal. I love that. So, so Mark, let's uh, let's rewind a little bit and let's talk about kind of your backstory with USD. How long have you been a fan? How did you become a fan? What's what's the story there? Well, this is probably a three pronged answer. And um, this the quick and first prong is when I was four, five, six years old, and someone asked me, "Are you USD or, or a rabbit fan?" And I was like, "Coyotes eat rabbits." So, give me the coyote. Makes perfect sense. Makes Love it. Um, and the second prong is a story I've told a couple times on on Twitter and X. And uh, when USD made the leap from D two to D one, and uh, the football schedule came out, I saw that we were at Minnesota, and so I texted my dad and I said, "Hey, Dad, do you want to go with me to Minneapolis and Hawks us lose by forty two? And he said, "Heck yeah, I'll go." And we all know how the story ends. Um, not only did we not lose by 42, um, we beat them. Um, but during the course of that game, it was kind of fun to watch my dad slowly become a coyote fan where when, when we originally sat down, he was talking about, Hey, they might actually win. Um, when we got to the fourth quarter, it was like, we're, we are going to win this. Um, so from that game on, I, I, it was fun to interact with dad and he was always asking about are we recruiting this kid or that kid or how's the basketball team look and um and it turned out that that was the last outing i got to do with dad before he passed away and so that kind of launched my anytime the cutouts did good it was a you know kind of recollect back to 
Minneapolis and how awesome that feeling was, you know, the high five of Indian Zone when we pulled off that one. So. Man, what a, what a good story. Uh, yeah. Thank you for sh- th- thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, it's, uh, I actually got the game ball from, from that football game, so I have it here and now. So. No kidding. Oh, that's awesome. But yeah. I went way over my limit. and uh... <laughs> That's even better. I love it. So I, my next question is favorite fan memories. We talked about this a couple episodes ago and, and shout out to all the, the folks that responded to us on Facebook uh, with their memories. We had a ton of great stories uh, shared there in the comments, but, uh, and you just mentioned a big one. What, uh, what else do you have for favorite fan memories? Yeah. yeah when, when I saw this on Facebook, started racing, like, and you think maybe it'll only come up a two or three, but you really, it just, the list keeps going and going and going. Obviously, Minnesota at Minnesota was a was a big memory. Uh, the WNIT run, really, leading up to the championship game, where we had you know obstructed view seating for that championship game versus mm-hmm. Florida Gulf Coast was incredible atmosphere. Never, never, ever forget that. Um, and then I have a lot of great memories with uh, like the Chloe Lamb, the Corn Gable, Hannah Sherman type women's basketball team. Like there's. The Michigan State game, and obviously the Wichita. I'm I forget Wichita. I don't know if you guys were there, but like Yoke Nation oh, yeah. took over yep. Wichita. Absolutely took over. You couldn't go anywhere without bumping into Yoke fans taking over every bar downtown there. That was just that's the most fun I've ever had in a loss. I keep telling people like I would do that again a hundred times out of a hundred. I said Mark last week. I said I would knowing even knowing the law the outcome. I would absolutely do that again. Yes. Hands down. Yeah. 6,000, 6,500 Yote fans down in Wichita. I mean, it was incredible. Awesome. Yeah, I know Jordan was Jordan was there because he mentioned that on a previous episode. We talked about that as one of his memories. And, you know, I, I wasn't able to make that game, but I just remember social media too. People were coming out of the woodworks to, to post and talk about USD. It was just unbelievable. Yeah, like I like it's still on YouTube. You can find it like the last 48 seconds of that game, even though we come up on the short end and Michigan's celebrating their win. But the crowd, you can hear the crowd chanting USD, USD. Um, yeah, yeah, just yeah, chills every time. That's goosebumps for sure. Right. And then you got to throw the premier going on. Like that was an all time. I like can't forget, never forget that one either. So, yeah, the fact that the. Bu- the fact that the bunnies couldn't run out the clock properly, and then that happened. I mean, that that is classic, just classic. The one, absolutely. Jordan, uh, you have any questions for for Mark? Yeah, Mark. One of the questions I want to, and you, and you do such a great job too with this, you know, connecting with the student athletes, especially with your kids. What for folks out there that haven't quite, they don't go to enough. USD games because they're super busy. What are some positives of, you know, being a part of, and I don't know if yours, if, if they're a part of the Yip and Yotes, but what's the importance of, you know, attending these events and getting the opportunity to connect with the student athletes? Yeah, that was the third thing I was going to mention when you asked me how, you know, how I came to be a fan is Vermillion, you hear it all the time. Coaches say it when they get hired um, almost exclusively. Like Vermillion is a special place. And it really is because you can go to a game and watch these kids play. And then if you go downtown on a Wednesday, you're shopping at Walmart or Hy-Vee or you go downtown and go to Bike to Eat, chances are 
fairly good you're going to bump into them or their parents. And I I moved back here in 05, 2005. I can count on one hand the number of parents, coaches, um, athletes that I bumped into that I would not like to have a beer with. On one hand, overwhelmingly, you just meet some of the greatest people that you'll ever meet. Um, it's just, like I say, when, when people say Vermillion is a special place, they're not lying. Like, I don't think that happens in a lot of places around the country. I just, not even in the summer league, I don't think. I mean, I could be wrong there, but like it is, it's a small town and you're going to run into the kids you're, you're cheering for. You just are. It's just, it's too small of a town not to. So it's, right. it's awesome. I also know too, because they, when they are out at, in the summertime and in the fall with all the different parades, um, it's just a unique way to connect with the fan base. And, and no matter whether it's small town, South Dakota, or they go over to Yankton. I mean, Yankton's technically small town, but you know what I mean? Like Yankton, if they're ever up in Sioux Falls for events, but I think the administration has done a better job of um, letting folks become acquainted with the team like they're more than just the people you see on the court you know they're they're students they're college kids that want to make a difference outside of basketball and uh no i I wanted to ask you that because it's i think it's an important thing that usd fans can continue to evolve to understand that is an option for them is to connect with the student athletes beyond the quarter field yeah absolutely and like i say 98 percent of the time you're going to run into a plus people absolutely eight plus people yeah and I, I was just going to add to that you know for those that don't know mark he, he practically attends every home a usd sporting event or or other and so um one of the things that i've i've noticed from you is just the access that y- you can get from the players too on that note is you know whether it's a quick chat after a game or, or to get a, a photo with one of your kids or or whatever it's and that's i think that just goes back to the culture that usd has fostered with fans and and players uh, you know together to create that i think that that's such a unique thing um in vermilion yep no question no question all right a less serious one thoughts on mirrored scheduling you see him tweet about it now here's the story You've probably seen the flag. <laughs> I'm going to bring the flag again. Well, the more people can find it, but you, you should. How did you guys? So we've done this three or four years. Heard a good argument for why. Like they 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 throw out the cost cutting deal, but if we play on Saturday and Sunday versus all on Saturday, the cost is the same. I don't understand. I've never heard a solid argument mm-hmm. for why we do it, and that's the most frustrating part. Um. I would love to be able to watch both teams. Like I don't, and I, and I feel like I have to choose between who I want to watch. Do I stay home and watch the women or do I go to the men's game? Well, I have season tickets, so I should probably go, but um, right. it's, I can't think of a more frustrating way to schedule games. I really can't at all. I leave it. You know, and we were reminiscing a little bit a last episode about this, where we talked about what the, how the atmosphere differed when you had the double headers, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember as a student and Jordan does too, when it was like that and it was, it was very different than what it is today. And so for me, that that's just part of it is just, that just makes sense. I know there's financials tied to all this and stuff like that, but just from the fans perspective, from the atmosphere, it is night and day difference with what those double headers did uh, for crowds. Absolutely. And then you tie in like the summit league network, which I, which I love. It's a great, you you know, you should spend $8 a month to get it. But I feel like, 
if we're going to continue to do mirrored scheduling, what you're pushing people to do is to fire up two TVs and watch both games at the same time. Right. And it's, it's just interesting from a, a money person. Yeah. You got the cost cutting, but then you, you, you are forcing people and I'm with Mark here. I, I have the summer league network. I think it's good. There's some, hopefully some plans in place for the multi-view for the future, but now you are forcing fans to watch it on the summit league network. If you don't have it, it's no more ESPN plus to my knowledge. If there is, it's very minimal. Um, because you know, some of the network midco sports plus I'm a fan of it, but the mirrored schedule aspect, I mean, if you were in Vermilion on Thursday and you lived in Sioux falls and drove up after the game, you're, you might not catch the end of regulation for the guys game. Right. And maybe the only reason we mountain. Yeah. Mountain time. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So that game had started at seven central time for some reason i don't know if let's just say it did hypothetically you're missing the end of that correct yeah yeah so it, it is so for folks that are listening the only way to watch coyotes if you're not at a home game is the summit league network and if you miss it they have replay available i'm not sure how quick of a turnaround it is probably within a day but um yeah it's I don't, I, I don't understand it. I'm with you, Mark. No, it, nothing frustrates me more. And just so I'm clear, not that I want to give a shout out, but we will give a free shout out. The Summit League Network is Midco Sports Plus, right? Is that the actual name? Yeah, this is something they should fix. That's very confusing. Could, yeah, and I know they had a free preview weekend. You know, that's how I watched this last week on Thursday and Saturday with the the men and the women's games, and you know, and that was cool and and fine. I loved it, but that naming is very confusing. So, any fans out there, you, we're talking about Summit League Network. It's actually Midco uh, Sports Plus is what you want to go download that app. And the Summit League on the website does tell you um, like where it's available: Roku, Android, Apple. Like it'll tell you where to download if not like i know on my how do i get it up my tv um i have to use a web browser to log into it because it's not compatible with the app quite yet and i i think you know we were talking about the the coverage I, it looks to me that all the non-cons were on espn plus but then when you want actual summit league games it looks like they now own those rights and they've locked it down to just the you know the summit league yeah. or Mid- midco sports plus is how it looks to me yeah, correct. All right. Anything else for Mark before we uh, jump into the, the hardwood here and talk ball? Let's do it. All right. So uh, first we're going to talk women's. Let's uh, let's talk about their two recent games, and, and we'll kind of analyze some of that. And uh, they had a really cool promo game on Saturday that we're going to talk about. And uh, we'll look ahead to games coming up here this weekend, and this week and weekend, and then uh, we'll jump to the men. So, uh, Jordan, you want to – lead us off here with the the two games we had this week yeah so uh thursday usd had a um pretty well let's just start the two games they had were i would consider potential trap games this is a a denver and kansas city squad that play really really tough they're really well coached um so these were these were games that i've mentioned before that were teams that you should beat and, and need to beat and you know, coming off of that tough loss up in Brookings a couple weekends ago, Denver was coming in with a vengeance. I had said on the Reaching the Summit podcast that this was a 
look out for USD game. And in a sense it was, but Denver came out, um, particularly in the second quarter, like it was almost like a repeat of Brookings where USD took a 23-8 lead after the first quarter. And then Denver comes out, outscores them 24 to 10 for USD to take a one point halftime lead. So it was kind of going, uh, okay, deja vu a little bit, but not to get too far into it, but a, a junior Kendall Holmes, who has been playing fantastic this season, um, she had a shout out, shout out Kendall. Seriously, she had 22 points, um, 22 points on Thursday. And one thing, according to the notes on goyotes.com, this was kind of cool. USD moves to five and one on the season um, in 10 points or when games are decided by 10 points or less. So uh, fighting through adversity when things get close, they, they tend to come out on top. Saturday, um, I was at that game. What an atmosphere for Native American Heritage game. That was um, that was fun to see, I think. I don't know what the attendance was, but it, the FCSC was about, I don't know, a third of the way full. So I'm thinking 2,000 folks, 2,500 folks were there, but it felt like it. It sounded like it. It was, there were a lot of high school kids there. Um, a lot of high school kids from the local tribes were there supporting, and it was, it was cool to see. And I'm really glad that USD does that game in particular. Um, it was cool. You know, goosebumps with USD's marketing doing the Tory DePerry video before and after the game um, during the recap. But let me just pull up the uh, the box score from Kansas City because I'll tell you what, it USD, there were times in that game, and Mark, I feel free to chime in too, but there were times in that game where I looked up and I thought USD would be up by 10 to 15 points and they're only up three. Kansas City's pressure, especially on Grace, was really, really good. It, it, it was a game plan. They executed it really well throughout the whole game. Um, but it, it was one of those games where you're going, yeah, we, we got this. And then, you know, my kid spills something over and I look up and it's like, why is it only a three-point game? Oh, what, what happened? Right. right. But just some really quick stat lines from Saturday's game against Kansas City. Um, Elena Contreras is a fantastic, phenomenal basketball player in the Summit League. She's number three for Kansas City. She played 38 minutes, had 24 points on eight of 16 shooting. Um, she's the name to keep an eye out as the season continues to go on. But USD was led by Grace Larkins, 21 points, eight rebounds, four assists. She shot lights out, guys. Eight of 10. Yeah. From yeah, please read. Please read her stat line here. Oh my gosh! Twenty. Oh, so eight of ten from the lot or from the field. Three of three, three pointer. Two of two, free throws. Um, like I said, eight rebounds, four assists, and a steal. Uh, she played phenomenal. Thirty six minutes. Um, Natalie Masar. She missed. She missed two shots. She got two shots. And this is Mark and I were texting during the game too. This was one where they. What was it, Mark? They were at thirty six or thirty nine points, and they only had ten field goals made or something. Yeah, they were. You're, where are the points coming from? <laughs> yeah. They were 13 for 18 at halftime in that game, which is a phenomenal percentage, but we only got 18 shots off, which is weird because we didn't have that many yeah. turnovers. It was it was a weird first half. Very weird. Yeah, it um they finished with eleven in the game, which is that's that's really actually Kansas City finished with nine. So I thought I noticed that during the game too. The teams I mean the, the turnovers when they did happen, it was very sparse. It yeah. was it was a really good offensive game. Uh, and both teams shot it pretty well, too. USD finishes uh, overall at, uh, f- let's see. I'm sorry, that's Kansas City finishes at 40%. Uh, 
and USD finished at well 49%. So that first half definitely definitely helped. Went a little cold in the fourth quarter, 3-11, but um, free throws ended up, you know, the game, technically, if you want to be fair, the game was a little bit closer than the 10 points, um, probably about the four or five range. And then USD just kept hitting free throws down the end, but, um, no, great atmosphere. Again, when you get that place, even a quarter full, it, it's loud and it, it, that's what professional settings do, right? It's a professional style college arena that you have in uh, next to the Pearl of the Prairie in the dome at the SCSC. So good. Yeah. So official attendance there was 2606, by the way. So you were pretty close on your guess. Yeah. Like, like I said, it felt like it. It sounded like it. It was fun. And uh, 32 bench points for us in that game on Saturday against the Ruse. I thought that was I, I do want to give a shout out, Mitch. Sorry. Is uh, Natalie Mazurik is playing really good yes. off the bench. Uh, yes, absolutely. My browser just refreshed, but I think she had north of 25 minutes, right around 25 minutes. Yeah, she had 28 and, 28 and 9 points. Yeah, and you know, there's stuff she's doing really well that don't show up on the stat sheet. Um, she's an excellent screener. Um, she creates a lot for the offense and is really, really disciplined on defense as well. So it, she's getting better. I think I might have mentioned this on another podcast, but I'm like, she's getting better and that's going to help USD. You want to be playing the, your best ball, obviously, the next couple of weeks. And I think they're going to start to do that. But we'll get into it. But a big test coming up on Saturday. The thing I like about Natalie is she, her ability to hit the three-point shot this year, stretch that floor. And sometimes it's a, a mismatch with who's trying to guard her is not, you know, used to having to guard that far out. So I think she deserved more minutes. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, you called it. So she was two for four, uh, from three point, uh, in that game specifically. So yeah, that that's huge. If you can get the, the defense stretch out and like, you know, they're not expecting her to shoot that and she can hit that, uh, you know, at 50%. Wow. That's yeah. a big deal. We'll take that. Yeah. And the other thing I just, All right. the key to the city game is that Jordan mentioned the pressure. I think, I think USD should get used to that. I think. Did they do a full full court press at all or, or yeah. was it kind of a soft press or or what was what did that look like they okay okay they would they would start in it and then once grace got the ball everyone would pull off except for who was guarding grace and they did a really good job of of pressuring her it was it's kind of one of those things where they're not trying to force a turnover they're just trying to make things difficult for grace like you're gonna spend seven eight seconds getting across the timeline okay yep so you had mentioned, Jordan, that those were two kind of must-win games, should-win games uh, last week, and they, of course, do pull those two off. So if we look at Summit League standings, uh, we did move up just a touch. Uh, we're now in fourth in the Summit League. You got the Jacks, uh, Bison, you got Oral Roberts, and us. And so Kansas City and Denver are near the bottom now. They're well, Omaha's last, but then you got Denver and Kansas City towards the bottom. So... We did move up. We talked about that. If we won both, we would probably move up. And mm-hmm. uh, and kind of the overall theme we talked about last week was not the pieces aren't quite all there yet. This team hasn't peaked. And and I actually tweeted out that that's okay that this team hasn't peaked yet. We don't want them peaking quite yet. We want them still putting it all together and and getting hot and peaking at the right time, which is that end of February, early March time frame as we march to the summit. So you know things are are definitely trending in the right direction. And uh, 
on that note, if you guys don't have any other comments, we can we can look ahead if you'd like. Yeah, let's look ahead. Very big okay. week. Big week. Yep. Huge week. So go ahead here, Jordan. Give us a preview. Oh. What are your thoughts? Yeah. So folks, Coyote Nation, um, big game Thursday night. Um this is at University of North Dakota up in Grand Forks, and they have one of the best players in the Summit League the last couple of years, Casey Barovich, um, who to start the year was a would take a lot of shots. She'd make a lot. So she was pretty high scoring, but it was kind of a, a, a one-gal show for a while there. Um, and they, they were losing games not because of that, but I, they were better when they share the rock. When I've watched them early on in non-conference, they're, and like last year, they're much better when they share the rock. Casey was taking a little bit too many shots, I think. Um, but that being said, they've started to share the rock, and they're they're pretty tough to play. It's a really well-coached team, um, great on offense, really disciplined on defense. Um, so UND is not going to be a cakewalk up in Grand Forks. This is a really important game for USD to continue this momentum, um, to continue um, – you know how they're scoring as well. Bench play is going to be huge for USD in this game, so that's kind of just my minute spiel on the UND game. So that game is at let's see, that's at seven o'clock Thursday night, February first already, um, and that's available on Midco Sports Two if you've got Midco cable or the Summit League Network. Um, if you are in the SCSC watching the guys game and you want to stream something at the same time. The exact same time. <laughs> the, the exact same time. After that, you want me to go Saturday? Let us know. Let go them ahead. Saturday? Yep, okay. let's, do it. let's do it. Saturday already, guys, is the rematch against STSU. I'm not going to reiterate the score from last year and the pounding the bunnies had on us in the SCSC, but it was not good. And I think and I hope that there's bad taste from that game, not only from a fan's perspective, from a player's coaching staff, and to take the positives of a couple Saturdays ago, that these gals get to get it done on Saturday. I'm calling out USD fans everywhere. Get your tickets to this game. If When they beat North Dakota on Thursday, this will be massive for USD to pull within a couple of games of first place because state's not guaranteed to win out. Oral Roberts is a good team. NDSU is a good team. They got to play them again. State does. So this is huge for USD. Marketing has, by the time this episode gets out, you're going to have less than 48 hours to get $5 tickets in the bleacher section. So you got kids, you haven't been to Vermillion yet this year for a basketball game. There you go. Five bucks a ticket in the bleacher section. Yep. And that's section 109 and 110. Uh, five dollar that promo just dropped today, I believe. So, and you have a couple days to get that right. Yep. Yep. So, so big yeah. game against the bunnies. Yes, and it's it's they had they played lights out first quarter. We all know what happened the second quarter, and then state state's defense is what it is. It's it's a top defense in the in the Summit League and one of the better ones in the country. They dialed it up and they just beat us the three other quarters. No other way to put it. 
this is one of those games where the crowd can make a difference. And, and Mark can attest to this with how many games he's been to. But if we get we get the crowd going behind these uh, ladies, I, I think that that can be the difference in the game. If we can go on a run, at some point it's going to happen. If we can go on a run, put together 10, 15 points, string them together, I think that could be the absolute difference in this game. And you know, like you said, we jumped out early on them up there, and then it kind of just slowly unraveled. But um, here at home, it can be a huge difference with the home fans. Nope. And Mark, would you agree that the girls feed off of that energy? Like this is a really passionate team. They show passion on the floor. Like they they feed off of that. You saw it in the Kansas City game. Mm-hmm. And we gotta show. I'm not. A, I'm not calling for a sellout. Right. It's it's not going to be a sellout. But man, if we can get that place half full, like the guys' game, a little bit too much blue in the in the guys' game. Um, a couple weeks ago, but it is what it is. But for the girls game, you know, come out, come out to Vermillion. They're, they're going to have some fun halftime stuff from what I've been hearing. Again, I heard there's a drum line and then um, an initiative to start with Unite for USD's campaign will be, will be done at halftime, which will be fun to, to watch. But um, from a basketball perspective, USD has got to bring their A game and they're capable of it. But yeah, as Mark said, fully expect, state to put pressure on usd maybe three-quarter probably full so so yeah give it give us your thoughts mark see uh, jordan mentioned casey and and she was the preseason summit player of the year so like not a slouch not a not a fluke she's she's really good um and up they're two below two two below us so they're in sixth currently they're in film. one game back that's yeah yeah it's one, it's, yep, it's, it's one game back high, yeah and then, like Jordan said, with the crowd, yes, I, I hope people don't underestimate. Like, you're not just attending. If you participate, there's no question. Like, you guys have been part of crowds in that building, um, whether it be uh, basketball or volleyball. Like, there was a there was a time pre-COVID where I felt like our crowd had kind of peaked. Like the best I've seen it. Like mm-hmm. the crowd, the crowd just usually yeah. like, oh, they went on basketball. The opponent went in the six-toe run. No problem. We're going to stand up here and scream our guts out, and that run will be over. Um, so there's no question home court matters, and especially at the SCSC, the beautiful building it is, it doesn't take a sellout for it to be really, really loud in there. So right. not only buy a ticket, not only come down. Um, there's a kid's clinic earlier in the day. If you come to that, you're going to get a free ticket. Um so not only come, but uh, bring your voices and don't be afraid to not use your seat. Just stand up and and cheer your guts out. It, may, it makes a difference. There's zero question about that. Yeah, so we have a bunch of promos for this game, actually. So we get we talked about the $5 flash sale for the bleacher sections. Uh, Mark just mentioned the National Girls and Women in Sports Day, like the 7th Annual Clinic. That's going to happen in the Dome prior to that game for... Uh, kindergarten through sixth grade girls they get to work on various sports at different stations with uh, usd student athletes so you get a lot of you know interaction there and you get the one free youth ticket and then they get pizza right before the game and uh, and then on top of that you have um ad john schemmel's uh student promo i'm i'm pretty certain that that's still going to be in place right with the half court shot for a thousand or or is it even two thousand now with mayor with Mayor Cole in there. Oh. 2,000 if there's over 250 students that go. Okay. 
So just, you know, if you stack all that up, that's a ton of promotions going on. Jordan mentioned some halftime stuff, kicking off Unite for USD. That happens in February, so that would make sense. That'd be a perfect time to kick that off. So just a ton of stuff. And then on top of that, you have, you know, arguably the biggest game of the year uh, in that um, arena. So a lot to uh, a lot to come out for, a lot to cheer for, and uh, a big a big week ahead for us as we try to inch up in the standings. The women have four home games left this season. That's it. SDSU on Saturday. Wow. Omaha, St. Thomas, the, the weekend of the 15th and 17th, and then Senior Day, March 2nd on Saturday versus UND. So three of the last four home games are on a Saturday. Wow. Seems like going fast. Very fast. <laughs> and two, or th- two, two out of three of those are 6 p.m. games too, just like this one upcoming is a 6 p.m. game on Saturday. So Saturday night, that's... What more can you ask for? Right. Right. Great. Yeah. Uh, up to 24th all time. You'll see history scoring worth the price of a mission just, just for, um, yeah, no reason not to come down and catch a few of those games. That's one thing I want to point out too, Mark. That, uh, thanks for indirectly making me remember this. <laughs> um, I believe it was Denver. Grace got in foul trouble. That, that game, it, it, as a fan, opinion is not that close because it, it threw her off it like the game plan changed and you could see that denver did a really good job of forcing grace into into getting into following so look for i have a feeling it's going to be like the guys game a couple weeks ago where the refs are going to call it one way in the first half and then the second half will be different but look for state to pressure grace pretty heavily um and force her to foul yeah, it's pretty obvious USD's offense goes through Grace, whether she, I think you mentioned she only shot 10 times um, versus Kansas City, something like that. But the offense mm-hmm. definitely goes through her. And when she's not on the court, then it's it can be a struggle for us at times. So important to keep. To keep. Yep, exactly. All right, let's, uh, if you guys are good with the women's, let's go jump over to the men's side. And, and let's talk about the two games that they played Thursday, Saturday as well. So, Jordan, you want to give us a, a quick synopsis and then we'll dive into our analysis? Yeah, so I ended up turning this on. I was getting back home, and I turned this on with about eight minutes to go. And for one, and if you do Reaching the Summit, they're like pick'ems thing. It was the first time all season that I picked the damn under for the point total. <laughs> the, the running joke is to hammer the over, right? Like they always see Vegas lines always seem to be low. And so we're always like, go for the summit league. So he goes, okay, hammer the over. I sent my thing into Todd who runs reaching the summit. And I said, uh, USD, I had them all over. And I said, wait, USD under. Boy, what not was I long by a lot of points. <laughs> well, uh, okay, so this was a double overtime heartbreaker uh, to Denver, one ten to one eleven on Thursday. I mean, it made Sports Center for the play of um, of Tommy. Is it Bruner? Is that yeah. is it Bruner? Right? Okay. Yeah. Um, who's who's probably one of the, for sure top two, if not the favorite, to win Summit League Player of the Year so far. He goes off for forty nine points. On 15 of 34 shooting, 5 of 12 from 3, 14 of 15 from the free throw line, and he had 8 assists. So, uh, I mean, an all-timer an all effort by him. It was, it was so much fun 
to watch him play on the flip side of that, we had a great matchup because our own Caleb Stewart goes off for 44 points on 16 of 31 shooting, 8 of 13 from 3, 8 of 13, and then 4 of 4 from the free throw line. Um, this was one that you're watching it, and even my wife was going, whoa. It was just back and forth and back and forth. The Denver announcers just saying, there's no defense. I'm like, this is one where the offense is just better than defense. Like, you can play great defense, and these two are destined to have just a, a, a magical game. Um, this is one, though, that even if I knew the outcome, I would not want to relive it. There were some... <laughs> there were some questionable calls at the end, uh, but at the end of the day, there were some plays made that could have been avoided that, you know, you make the free throws, right? Paul Brunton's, you make these free throws, 18 seconds left instead of taking it to the rack when there's three Denver players right behind you. And I don't know if the bench was not yelling that they were behind them, but in my mind, I'm I'm literally yelling out, pull it back, pull it back. And to go up and he gets swatted, which leads to so there there were some questionable calls. It's not the reason why USD lost. There were there were other factors, but just really a tough one to swallow and and from that Denver result. Mark, do you have any thoughts on the Denver game? <laughs> Where do you start? Leading the women's game and and got back in time to watch the end of the fourth and into the overtimes. And I imagine if you were not a fan of either of those teams, like that was probably one of the most entertaining games you've watched in a long time. Like that was, like you say, back and forth, big shot after big shot. Um, and yet we missed free throws down the stretch and there, you know, you can question some decisions towards the end there. But the frustrating part to me is in the moment that counted when the game was down to the wire, there was just, a, they were bad calls. I, they, I don't know how you don't, call it anything other than that and it, that was the frustrating part i haven't been that frustrated after a game in a really long time i felt like we played our best game today mm-hmm. maybe not defensively if, you know giving up 111 but offensively we were our, easily our best game of the year and i think we played well enough to win and it just got got pulled out from under us and you know obviously you talk about caleb's 44 was it yeah 44 but only shooting four free throws like that, I don't know. You'd have to go back a long way to figure out someone that shot less than five three throws and scored over 40 points, I would imagine, anywhere and on any level. So really a remarkable performance by him. And, and shout out to, to the Bruner kid from Denver. He obviously played really great. But the frustrating part was in those decision-making, you know, this play is going to decide the game. It felt like um, the Zebras were involved more than they should have been or making this decisions that were incorrect it it became the ref show until they swallowed their whistles on a on a few plays um th- there was a con let, let's just talk about the two for sure um yeah when bruner was going up down or down the lane and he goes up and he literally toe on toe steps on. I, who was it was it holt yeah holt's foot yep. y- yeah it was massive no call that everyone even the Denver announcers God love them were freaking out about them how they don't call it a, a foul um but there there was no contact there the ref could not see that even if at that angle you're not making that call um and then so that was controversial from a Denver perspective that he should be shooting free throws 
then you can and for, yeah for so for the fans that didn't see that we got to kind of describe that play so he's driving the lane full speed right just trying to draw contact trying to get a layup whatever he steps on Boston Holt's foot and loses control and throws up a, you know a wild shot as he's falling and it airballs and lands out of bounds and of course Denver wanted a, a foul called and you know I could see that but at the same time if you're actually watching that uh, those two guys, you you see that he clearly steps on his foot, kind of rolls his ankle in the process, and and loses control, and that's not a foul. Yeah, it looked worse than it looked. Like there was no right. foul, no foul there. Like, yeah. Then we have the jersey tug on the inbounds play. I don't, you know, I saw there was obviously a lot of commentary on this. Um, one being, you know, even though Paul was getting his jersey tug, you know, keep he should have kept running towards the ball. You know, to, to get that. And I can I can understand that. It's just hard to to tell whether it's slow motion or in real time, how heavy was that tug actually? Because his numbers were on the side. Like we were joking, like, oh, I didn't know US right. numbers on the side of the jersey or on the side of the short scent, you know. Right. Right. Um, so if that hindered it, but listen, at the end of the day, that I think that's a foul with the jersey tug, but it, from the looks of it, it looked like he could have kept going towards the ball. I thought Bruner two times on that play grabbed at Paul that prevented him, but it, that's just fate. It felt like a it felt like being a Vikings fan all over again, where you're like, "Oh my god, don't let this happen to us! Don't bounce our way!" Like when the guy shot that three to go in, as soon as it left his hand, I just went, "That's it. You have to kid me." Yep. Yep. That was that kind of game. And the other one we didn't even touch on here, I'll remind everybody, so we're up six, I think, with maybe 30 seconds, 26 seconds left. And in the foul to victory strategy that rarely ever works, Denver starts doing right in that final minute, and they're in that process, and Bruner scores 10 points, three threes in that 26 seconds to force the double overtime. And the controversial one that we haven't talked about is the final one where he shoots the three. Caleb Stewart is there, but he, Tommy Bruner, the shooter, sticks out his leg to initiate contact. There was a slight bump. I would, there, you know, not much, but he initiates the contact. He falls over it. He really sells it with the flop and gets the call from, you know, the hometown refs. And so what does he do? He goes to the line, knocks down another free throw. And and with that, that was his 10th point in 26 seconds. For those of you that were watching or, or not watching and keeping track of the whole foul to victory where we, I mean, literally a second or two at a time, we're coming off the clock and uh, he would, Im- they would get the ball back after we shoot free throws and he would come down in five seconds later, have another three in the, in the hoop. So um, yeah, that one was also very, very questionable. I forgot all about that, Mitch. You know what? That was the worst call of the game, hands down. I would, yeah. They don't call that foul. I would much rather the other two things don't even happen. They wouldn't because it wouldn't have went to double overtime. That was, and then Denver social media. That was funny. Their picture for the final with the final score was the picture, and you can clearly see leg is sticking out, and Caleb is two feet away. Yeah. Yep, hands up, or hands up, kind of like I didn't touch him, you know, which trying not to bump him, which, you know. That was, it was an awful call. Awful, awful call. That was the only one where I was like, the refs, that, that was awful. There is no distinction that, no, bad. The one thing that was, that's one of the, I, I've had a couple of those in my career, and I think that's just the ref being prisoner of them, right? And they just, he was taking over their bot. 
Was it exactly going to call it no matter what? Exactly. Let's see see how exciting we can make this game. The one thing I would say about that, going back to the Jersey Tug Fall, um, there was a Sioux Falls media guy who questioned. I saw him like, "Well, how long did he really tug the jersey?" And my first like, thought was, so, yeah. so my my first thought was, if I punch you in the face, how long is my fist really connected to your face? Like a tenth of a second. So <laughs> that's a great analogy. Wow. Did I really <laughs> touch you? Like, no. It was it was a fraction of a second. So it's nothing, right? So, and yeah, like like Jordan said, the the Denver men's basketball Twitter account tweeting out the picture of of Brunner hitting that three with his leg clearly not in a natural shooting position was just added to my frustration that night. So I just, it was well played. I led into, you know, then, then their flight gets delayed and then we're, we're playing in Kansas city and we get, you know, Kansas city happened, but it just, that's a good set. It just led to a bad, bad weekend for the, for the men. Mitch, to be honest, I don't really want to talk about Saturday's game because just watching it, watching the recap, it uh, was brutal. It looked like a team that, because remember, so Denver got their rear ends kicked on Saturday by Omaha and the right. fiddler on the roof. And they had a home game. Right. USD, yep. as Mark just said, uh, Mark, can you repeat what happened on the way to Kansas City? So I believe there was a, my understanding is that they had a three hour flight delay from, from Denver to Kansas City. They didn't get in till till late, so they couldn't even have a walkthrough or a practice prior to the Kansas City game. Um, and obviously, you're playing a 50-minute basketball game at altitude. Your flight gets delayed. You don't have to have a walkthrough or a practice. And not not to make excuses, like, you still got to go out there and play basketball. But um, obviously, for both teams, Denver and us, it was, uh, it was a beatdown uh, on Saturday for both of us. So... Just yeah, it was it was not a good game. I'll I'll read the stats because to be honest, there wasn't a lot. Um, and if you I te- I te- hey, I texted you this, you know, before that game, I said I don't think, and this is nothing against our team. I love our team. I will take our guys in any fight this year, as they've showed they can compete with anybody in the Summit League, and it went toe to toe with some in the top. And so I, you know, I just thought that game at altitude, I know they had the beet juice. For those of you that listen to uh, the Yoke cast, you know about the beet juice. And it definitely helped in that game because they were able to go, you know, 10 extra minutes, two overtimes. And, but it's just too much. It's too much when you talk about that much extra basketball, a quick turnaround, having to travel again and uh, turn around and play again in, in, you know, 24 hours, 48 hours, whatever. By the time they got there, it wasn't much. And so... I just, you, you, nothing against our team. You can't expect any team to turn around and do that after a game like that. There's so much emotional and physical energy spent that I don't see how you can recover from a game like that. And both teams suffered, as you mentioned. They both got beat handily on Saturday after following that game. It felt like a, uh, watching a dream where you're trying to run really fast, but then in, like you think you're going fast, but in reality, you're you're just, you're going slow. Right. That was it. So the Yotes lost eighty-one fifty-seven in Kansas City. Um, close up view, not a good. It's a bad loss, both for the standings because it dropped us to dead last in the Summit League. But um, shooting has 20, 20 and nine, uh, ten of fourteen shooting. So a, a pretty good game from Chun there. Um, I thought I don't. I just closed it, but he did not talk about lack of free throws in the Denver game. 
how he was getting beat up and he only had what two or three or four free throws that whole game. But anyways, uh, Caleb Stewart, 14 points. Anyone else had no more than six. So not a, no, it was not a fun watch. Just to forget it. And let's get better. You guys feel, doesn't it feel like 80% of the men's game has been on, on the road. It's unbelievable to me. It's hard to remember a men's game. St. Thomas, the one that jumps to mind. But other than that, it's really hard to think of it. Well, we, so. Yeah, look, look, weird. look at that schedule. It's a weird. Go back and, yeah, go back and look. I mean, you had one with the Big Sky Summit Challenge. And then, you know, you had two on one, two one, one week with St. Thomas and SDSU. But then, yikes. Not much other home games. Three home games this month. That's right. unbelievable. That's brutal. Can we make up for it with five in February, including a three, three in a row? Uh, we can get to that in a second, though. But so one, one last thought on that Denver uh, USD game. That was literally game of the year in college basketball. I, I will say I don't. I don't think another game will top that. I know it's the Summit League, and people will crap on that, but I, I don't see how any other Division One basketball game tops that game. And it felt like a video game to me where nobody, neither, neither Caleb Stewart or, or Tommy Bruner could miss. I mean, they were just, it was like watching two heavyweight fighters go back and forth and nobody could, nobody could miss a shot. It was the most ridiculous ridiculous game I've ever seen. No, you're good. I was just saying the most ridiculous game I've ever seen. Just absolute bananas. Yeah. Shout out to Denver guys. You guys saw that. Uh, I think they had what, 1500 people. And there, I have never seen that arena that they play in that full. Right. So right. talk about how fans can make a difference. Absolutely. Even sounding through the the telecast they had, it, they were making a difference. And that was only 1,500. So yeah. kudos to Denver fans for showing up. 1278, not even, not even 1300, but it, it sounded super loud on, on TV because you get them, you know, that amount of people in a small gym like that. It makes a difference. Yeah. No question. That's why I say it's so loud in Brookings. They play in a fancy high school gym too. Exactly. I don't know how you guys feel about the men's team overall. I feel like we're sitting in dead last, so it's weird to say, but I don't. There's nobody we can't play with, right? Am I am I off base saying that? Like I, I feel like no, you're no, you're absolutely right. Or to cut nets in Sioux Falls, I, I I I don't think that's a crazy statement. No, I think you're right. You're right on it. It, We'd be honest, right? We'd be like, I just don't think this team's got it. Maybe, but talent-wise, I think they can compete. It's just like what we've talked about the last couple of times is can you piece together 40 minutes? They've been able to piece together 25 to 30 to to compete with Oral Roberts and SDSU. Can we do 40? Because if you can do 40, you can absolutely win three games in a row in Sioux Falls. Yeah, no question. Team. Absolutely talented enough to do it. I think the same time they proved that. Exactly, and the, you look at the conference records. I mean, fourth, a five and two, four and three, four and three, four and three, four and four, four and four, three and four. I mean, it. They're the parity in in the men's side right now this year is is so ridiculous that everybody's beating up on everybody. So we just talked about five home games coming up. If we're going to get hot and put something together, the month of February is the time to do it leading right into that March tournament. It's, it's, it's pretty much now or never as we enter February. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Fans get you all at ready. This, we talk about supporting the women, uh, the men's team, that, that stretch in February at the end there, they're going to need us. If you just pull up, 
if you exactly if you just pull up the summit league standings and you see oh we're two and five and we're in last place that doesn't tell the whole story because we've been in almost every single one of these games so you know and we beat st thomas they're second in the league okay you know we took denver to double overtime at their place at altitude you know they're in third so yeah anything honestly anything can happen nothing would surprise me on the men's side as we uh as we see the Summit League tournament play out. What else do we have, Jordan? We just talked about those two games. What yeah, you want me to talk about upcoming? Yeah, let's go, let's go upcoming. Okay, um, so this Thursday, ooh, this is fun, Star Wars night at the SCSC on Thursday against UND. Uh, UND is currently the uh, hottest team in the Summit League. They have won four in a row. I don't know how many other teams have won three in a row in the Summit this year, but it isn't many. So UND doing this just shows that anyone can win three in a row in Sioux Falls. Like it's they're four and three um, in the in the league, so they started out zero and three. They've won four in a row. Hottest team again. We're gonna need some fans at this game um, to help propel these guys. But this is a. I feel like we're gonna say this a lot for pretty much every game from here on out. But this is the first must win of the season in conference play for USD men's basketball. Mm -hmm. Um, If they lose this one, just looking at some of the other Summit League team schedules, this could start to distance them in that ninth place. And Morrell, who knows? Hopefully, (laughs) who's the sports psychologist we got now at USD? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're going to need Tanner. Tanner, we're going to need you, bud. So they've got UND at home, and then Sunday they go up to uh, Brookings at 4 o'clock on Sunday, and that is a shocker here, SDSU's second game on CBS Sports Network. They get another home game to be broadcast on CBS Sports. Um, And when I checked this afternoon, there was actually quite a bit of tickets left for that game. Uh, Capacity in that arena right now is right around 3,500, so... They haven't sold it out yet. Uh, it's during the remodel. It's at thirty five hundred right now. I think one of the sides isn't available. Uh, okay. But um, yeah, I think when it's done, it's only going to be fifty one hundred. So they're they're losing several hundred seats to make way for some fancy uh, box stuff. But anyways, uh, so that game's on Sunday. So yo fans, if you're up in Bro- near Brookings, um, if you live up there, tickets aren't that expensive. Feel free to wear red and be loud in that uh that arena so again und thursday at home seven o'clock at star wars night and then they go to brookings on sunday at 4 p.m if you don't want to go to that game like i don't ever want to spend a dollar in brookings i will be watching it on the cbs sports Network. there you go i, I forgot to mention too for the women's game against uh, the bunnies on saturday night that is a red out as well so yet another promo for that game oh, i happen to have some red so that'll work out nick perfect <laughs> All right, so that pretty much wraps up uh, the talk here with the men's side. I just want to also say, after uh, this week's games, I think it's safe to say that Caleb Stewart is a certified alpha yet. Yeah, that that guy is is him absolutely. I don't know if you guys want to talk more just about him in particular, but uh, I, I don't. Ha- I'm running out of good things to say about him and what he's done this year. Yeah, Mark, I'll just jump in really quick. I think he's got the potential to be uh, a special player in, in USD's history. I mean, he's getting up there with the um, Stanley Amudes as far as 
controlling a game and how he can score. And he's a junior. So in a world of you don't know who's coming back next year, and I think this is something that we've talked about before, is with attendance, right? Like you're unfamiliar with the team like USD this year because a lot of, I don't know, I can't remember the exact number, but a lot of transfers that came in, right? This isn't two, three, four years with a core group of guys. This is the first year with a lot of guys and their names they're starting to get familiarized within the fan base and say, okay, oh yeah, you got Chun, Stewart, Hill, um, uh, and then the Bruns brothers by boom. I call him boom because when he dumps it, it's yeah, boom, dead. Um, and you got Max Burchill, the local kid. So uh, Boston Hold is also playing really well with Javon Hill, who's a redshirt freshman. So it's a young team. You know, I really hope that Caleb, no matter how this season ends, sees the potential with this team and decides to stay. I just, I hate, I, I like it, and I hate it at the same time, the whole NIL thing, because if the kid, the student athletes can go earn some money, more power to you, but sorry I got off track there, Mitch, but... Um, no, that's all good. I think Caleb's got a, uh, a really, I mean, it's bright right now, but a bright future at USD. He can make these last, this last year and a half pretty special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100% agree. You, you, you compared him to Stanley Moody. The first person that I thought of, uh, especially during the Denver game where he was just hitting monster shot after monster shot was Matt Mooney. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So absolutely. Like he's got that, that, like, like you say that him and him, um, when he's going, it's uh much watch TV and even better if you're in the stands watching it in person. So yeah, he's fun to watch. Absolutely. Any parting thoughts, Jordan, before we head out? Yeah, once again, guys, appreciate everyone that listens, downloads, um, subscribes. We've got big things planned. Uh, I don't know how much bigger it'll get than Mark as a guest, but um, we can. Jake and Jake and Mitch, <laughs> Jake and Mitch uh, do a really great job. They've got a lot of fun stuff lined up um, for future guests, and in particular with football. Um but if you haven't already on Facebook, USD Coyote Fans Nation, go ahead and give that a follow. Uh, that group is by the fans, for the fans. So anything USD that you see, show your support. Feel free to post in the group. Uh, but as always, go Yotes. Yeah, I'll just add real quick, you know, thank you to everybody who's listened this far. The, the folks that have uh, rated five stars, whether it's on Spotify or Apple, those two platforms, you can find us back to Pack Coyote Nation interact with us you know on twitter follow us at back the pack sd you know like comment send us a dm whatever same thing as jordan said on facebook on the usd coyote fans nation page you know anybody who's a part of that group can share so you see if you see something you like feel free to share it throw your comments out there whatever you know that is a fans page for the fans and then uh, last but not least uh join the howling pack at goyotes.com we talk about this, you know, every episode for as little as a hundred a year or eight bucks a month. You know, your support goes a long way. You might not think it's a lot, it, it, you know, it's only a hundred bucks. Oh, well, what good is it? But it is every little bit helps. So, and then uh, look for, uh, you know, things coming up in USD's future here. We got the Unite for USD. Jordan mentioned that uh, Calling All Coyotes is coming up in, in April as well. So some things on the horizon there. Um, other than that, I think that's about all I have. Mark, any parting words? I appreciate you guys. Hey, you were fantastic. You're welcome back anytime. Go Yotes. All right. Go Yotes. Go Yotes.